This is Messiah Hill, and this is the Scooter Backflip. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Wait, Dad, do we have a podcast tonight? Oh, yes. See, I'm going to be late. Here, you're going to need to Thank you. hurry up. Yo, what is up, Senders? Episode 100, folks, we are here and uh, have a special guest. Joey, could you can you believe that we are on episode 100? No, 100 shows, that's crazy. <laughs> I know, it's been so fun. I, I loved all the guests that have come on the show and uh, the folks that are still going to make it on the show. And in fact, uh, tonight, there you go, Mountain Bike Q&A out of Miami is on. He says, 100, baby, uncaged backstage. Nick, 316, happy 100 episode. Thank you, thank you, you guys. I can't believe we're here. Trail Pimp with the whole shot of the night, the first one to be in the chat. Um, Episode 100, we are able to bring, gosh, a, a really special guest. And it's perfect timing. Not only is it episode 100, but we just had International Women's Day and the next guest that we have for show 100, Joey, is such an inspiration to a lot of women out there in our mountain bike community, women racers, um, moms, family, like this lady has everything that she is putting out there for the the demographics and the mountain bike community, and she is holding it up strong. Uh, and so I can't wait to bring her on, and our guest tonight is Rachel Strait. But before we get into the episode, um, Joey, I just wanted to read something out here. We have a big new trail that's opening up in Riverside. Uh, Elias with Venikava Nation is uh, getting ready to open up his trail. What do you think about everything you've been hearing there? Dude, those trails look great. He's been putting in seriously some hard work. Um, yes. I've never ridden out there, so I'm hoping to make that one. I'd like love to see it. Yeah, that would be great if weather permits. Um you know, Elias couldn't be here for the intro of the show, but he did want to share with everybody who's listening some of the details for this. So just going to read this out to you real quick. He says, on March 18th, the meetup, it's on Saturday, meetup at 8 a.m. at the Barton Street entrance. People who know the area are free to park on Brown Street if they know how to get up the jump line. But for those that don't know, there is there don't know where it is, I'm going to be at the end of Barton Street at 8 o'clock. We're going to have a raffle for a ton of cool prizes from Liat, Jensen USA, PNW Pedals, Bike Shop, and a bunch of E13 products from EVA tickets to Laguna Festivals and shirts from Rad Dad Life Official, the Bomber Crew, Maona Ridewear, and Ride Well. We're also going to have Spokex wheels out there with a set of 27s and 29-inch wheels that people can try on the trails. And don't forget to announce that we're getting... 10% off at Farmer Boys for after the ride uh, to get a little bit of discount off of food. It's going to be a lot of fun, and the line is running really, really good. So if you guys can, jump out there on the 18th of March 
in the Riverside area. Nice. So Venikov's new trail dropping dropping on us. I saw he dropped he dropped uh, Instagram today with him hitting the line. I think. Dang, that's yeah. gonna be fun. I can't wait. Yeah. That's a good place to hold water really nicely, really nice. really nicely. Um, and for the folks who haven't made it, I mean, I see a ton of people who are jumping on the chat. There's people that I haven't seen here before. Um, Seth was here. Welcome to the show. Octo Dad out of New Zealand. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Spokesman MTB, uh -huh. what's happening? Always good to see you. Uh, we had a blast up in Snowdona. That was a good time for sure. <laughs> such a good time. It was so fun. Awesome group. Riding Dirty, who was out there, he says, yo, yo, yo. He had a great high line to uh, end the whole weekend off, which was awesome. Dude, he came in the house glowing, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was literally riding dirty. We could smell him. <laughs> when right. he came into the studio, Danny UO SoCal says, Can't wait to hit that right on the 18th. He was out there, but I never got to see Danny. Yeah, we never ran into Danny. I don't know what we, happened. We never did, but man, I uh I knew he was out there, so that was good. Well, what do you think, Joey? Oh, Lauren Zarek is on. Always gotta say yo yo to Lauren. Hey, hey from Miami, Lauren. Good to see you on here. Active Life 2.0 saying raining hard up here in NorCal right now. <laughs> yeah, man, I think it's coming down There's south. Mom by Q&A, Johnny Yu out of Miami says, peanut butter and jealous. You guys made Sedona look so fun. It was a blast. It was you really fun. You put out a funny Instagram, too, crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seeing all the people. That was good stuff. It was really good stuff. <laughs> well, folks, without further ado, what do you think, Joey? With it? Let's, uh, let's jump on uh, episode 100 with our special guest, she is an XC rider turned enduro athlete, and she's, uh, like we were saying earlier, she's a mama, she's a wife, but uh, she is Rachel Strait. Hey, Rachel. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for jumping on episode 100 of the segment podcast. It's such an honor to have you in the studio. Yeah, I'm so, st I'm so stoked to be here. Thanks for yeah. having me, guys. Yes, of course, of course. Rachel, the timing of your visit is perfect. Uh, you know, Women's uh, International Women's Day was just uh, was yesterday. And mm -hmm. uh, here you are on the show. And looking back on your Instagram and, and knowing a bit about you, I'm trying to like get to the beginning of where the Rachel Strait story started in biking. But I kept scrolling and I ran out of internet <laughs> and you're not that old. <laughs> so I, I feel that old sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> where, where did the Rachel Strait story start in, in the biking world? So I first started riding in 1999, um, actually. And my dad was super into mountain biking. So he bought all of us bikes. I have two siblings, two younger siblings. And that's how it all started. Wow. So I kind of figured your dad was totally into the sport because I did sign up for one of those Kenda Cup races at Vail. Yeah. And your dad was at the top giving us a pep talk to all of us that were nervous about dropping in for the first, you know, for the first stage. And he was like, yeah. I'm jealous, but today I'm real jealous. He was talking about the trails. So he <laughs> kind of started off the mountain bike bug, huh? Yeah, he did. He He came from Moto, so... Um, when I was born, oh, hi, Alabama. Sorry, my dog just ran in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, when I was born, he um, he unfortunately had a pretty bad crash. And my mom had to lay down the law and was like, you know, we're not going to do this moto thing as much anymore. And 
he really focused his energy on mountain biking and that's how that's how we all got into it so he was an avid mountain biker himself and he was really you know against the status quo of having um his kids always in front of the television and all that kind of stuff so that's that's when he decided he's like you know what I'm just gonna see if they're interested in biking and I got my first one when I was seven actually I got a uh, Nishiki it was oh. like yeah pretty fun <laughs> back <laughs> in the day. and it just ended up that we all liked it so all of us rode actually so my brother my sister and I we all rode and then that all transitioned into racing so we raced as a family and we all had matching jerseys and so awesome. um, that's when Norba Nationals were going on I don't know if you remember those but they were really big back in the day and I just remember being a little girl and seeing these pro women go out there and not only kick butt, but like make a life out of it, be able to support themselves. And I just knew like, I think from an early age that that's really what I wanted to do in life. And I got lucky that I found it so young, but yeah. That's amazing. So even as a young girl, you were inspired by, by being exposed to these women that were racing. Yeah. I, I really, looked up to so many um, female athletes at a young age. And I mean, the males too, but I think I just, as a woman, you know, you relate more to other women athletes. And um, I got lucky that I got into some good mentorships with some of the best pros in the world. My coach from when I was 16 to 19 was the former world cross country champion. So she really was able to get me to the next level. And then that's when I got to I won national champs when I was 17 and then I qualified for world championships in cross country. And so I, I was, um, I was really into suffering. (laughs) (laughs) Now was the, the competitive nature, was that already instilled in the family between your brother, your sister, your dad and you, is that how you kind of gravitated towards competition? Yeah. And my mom too was also competitive. Like my dad and mom, you know, before we were born, they raced off-road racing in the desert and like they were both just really into it. And then, you know, when they got divorced, um, we kind of, when we'd be with my dad, he was kind of, I guess like my mom, it didn't come more natural, but she was just like, you know, knew kind of more what to do. And my dad was like, well, you know, I want my kids to, we, us to do things together. So that's, when they got divorced, like that's when we started riding more. Cause on the weekends when we'd be with dad, at first, like we would always ride. And then as things progress in our lives and things change, like we were with him more, but um, he still thought he still saw how much we loved it, you know, how much we loved riding. And then that's when the racing aspect came into it. So I think, I think I started the competitive thing more, but then my sister, man, like, did she follow Like She's a beast. (laughs) And my brother really liked it too, for a long time. Like we all went different paths when we turned 18. I went to um, Cal State San Marcos and did marketing. My sister got a full ride scholarship on running to UNLV. And then my brother chose to join the military. So we kind of all went different paths. But me and Amber kind of picked that competition back up after college. Uh Like Amber, well, Amber ran. But then after college, she went into ultra marathon running. So that's what she does today. Yeah. And then I took a break and started you know, working at Crank Brothers and then got back into it at Crank Brothers because there's so many good trails in Laguna Beach. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes. Like I don't know if you guys have gotten the chance to ride there yet. I'm yeah. sure. Of course you have. Like who hasn't ridden in Laguna Beach, right? Yeah, that that place is awesome. Like what side of the 133 are we on today? Are we on on the Laguna side, the Aliso side? It's yeah. I that place really changed my life in a lot of ways and I have to give like Orange County credit because I don't think I would have ended up with Kyle had I not moved to Orange County and I don't think I would have raced enduro. Like I was on a giant trance and i thought that was the biggest bike like i thought that thing was beefy you know yeah yeah and i went down art <laughs> school or something with one of the engineers from craig brothers and i just remember getting to the bottom and i was like holy s word like that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> and i immediately sold my trance and i bought it intense it got bigger <laughs> <by> it. <laughs> nice <laughs> um uh, and then yeah from there you know the rest is history like i just really loved it after that so you grew up in the San Diego area then, is that, or, or yeah, yeah you did. Okay, yeah, so. Valley Center. I grew up in Valley Center. I grew up in the sticks. Like Okay, like, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. Like, I grew up in a very small farmhouse, and it was, it's actually on city-owned land, but it was 285 acres, and our closest oh, neighbor yeah. <laughs> was uh, <laughs> Jack Wyckoff, he was 83 years old <laughs> he was a half a mile away so oh, man <laughs> he could do whatever you wanted out there <laughs> we i mean as a family we're, we're very close because i'm so lucky i have siblings like i would have been very bored <laughs> without them <laughs> and we just you know we learned how to have fun without being in front of a screen like we would go hiking all the time and we would like build our own trails we would look for prints in the ground when it rained for animals i don't know like we wow. had a really fun childhood so it was it was lucky living out that there is, that is so cool that you grew up like that i feel like uh, that's what a lot of folks may miss out on you know sometimes when when they're in front of screens and just occupied and distracted yeah i agree with that yeah, that's cool that yeah. So once you got through college, you got your job at Crank Work or Crank Brothers. It took you mm -hmm. out to Orange County. How long yeah. were you out there for? I was there for three, I think three and a half years. And then so I was there for yeah, for almost two years before I started dating Kyle. And then we lived together. Well, I moved in pretty quickly, actually. Like I moved in after six months of us dating and I was oh, You knew, you knew it was one of those stories, right? <laughs> I was freaking out, like, to be honest, like he asked me to move in. And and it was I remember we were at the post office jumps in Santa Cruz after after Sea Otter. And he was all cute, like on the back of the car, like, oh, yeah, so my roommate's moving out. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and then he asked me to move in. And we lived there for another six months and his lease was up. And I just remember thinking the price we were paying, like Costa Mesa is beautiful, but we we wanted to buy something. So we decided our buddy uh, Grizz was always talking about Alpine and how cool Alpine is. And so we went down and checked it out and we we're like, yeah, let's move. So 
So we did a rental for a year down here and then found, you know, the dream property after that. Dang. And that's the property we see a lot of the cool jumps and things going off over there uh, at straight acres. Yeah, no, it was really it was Orange County was great. But I will say I, I love being in San Diego. I just love the, the space. You know, I love being on. I just grew up that way. So it was hard for me living in a condo, you know. Yeah, I could imagine being able to like have your own space and land and room to kind yeah. of stretch, you know. Yeah. That, that's got to feel good. So tell yeah. us in that time that you're in Orange County, you had mentioned that if you hadn't gone there for the job and, and rode those trails, you may not have met Kyle. How did yeah. you guys meet? Is there a, is there like a cool, funny love story there? <laughs> <laughs> so I've known, I mean, we both raced together, right. For like ever, but I was in cross country and he was in downhill free riding. So I've always known like who Kyle straight is, but I wasn't, like ever truly impressed by him until I got to know him. I just thought he was cocky and on Red Bull and, you know, young, but, and he wasn't ever that nice to me. I will be honest. Like he was kind of rude, but come <laughs> to find out it was actually because he was in a serious relationship for a long time. And he just, he, he was like true to the person that he was with. So when I realized right. that's why I'm like, Oh, I actually really like that. You were rude to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He had like so, hard boundaries up. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm working at crank brothers, like doing my little sales thing. And I get this message that popped up on my Facebook chat. Cause that was really before Instagram and any online dating or anything. And all it says is sup S U P <laughs> and it's from Kyle straight. And I'm like, does that say sup? Like, really? That's your line? <laughs> His game is strong, folks. But yeah. So anyway, like, if you want to get a chick, just send them a single sup, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, we ended up meeting up and hanging out and, and riding together. And I really like got to know him. And, and I, I liked what I saw. And now it's, um, it's been 10 years, so. That yeah. is awesome. Oh, that's very, very, yeah. very cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Now you guys have Stevie. Fast forward to today. You have yeah. your, your daughter, Stevie. And I met you at the YT Athletes Night when we yeah. were all just kind of hanging out as, you know, everyone hanging out as friends. And you and I and Kyle were the only ones that had our kids with us. We were the only <laughs> ones that could do it. <laughs> I know. And it's funny, like me and Kyle both aren't on YT, but uh, we wanted to see Aggie like really bad. You know, we hadn't seen Aggie since before COVID. So of course, we're going to make the trip up there. And I'm glad I did because I got to meet you too. Yeah, that was cool. Um, one of the other funny things about the evening is some of the writers that were on the poster for YT weren't, they couldn't make it. I won't yeah. say who they were, but I had you guys sign over their places, <laughs> which was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish I had. Like, like that would seem like so cheesy to bring posters with you. But sometimes yeah. you're in situations where you wish you had something. You're like, oh, man wish I could like give them something, you know, but yeah. I'm glad that we could sign our non picture of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun. You guys were the best and I, I loved yeah. it. And you guys are so good with the kids. Um, now let's get back into the, the Rachel straight story going back in. You are XC. You're killing it, winning nationals. You decide at some point that enduro is your, is your passion. So how did you make that transition? What, and was it difficult? I think, for me, it came pretty naturally. I was, I think I got burnt out of cross country to be, I don't know how else to say it. You know, you do something your whole childhood and then you realize, I think for me, when I got to the pro level, it just 
wasn't what I wanted anymore. And I knew I wanted to still race and be involved in mountain bikes, you know, which is why I ended up going the industry job route right after college. And then after doing that for a while, I realized, you know, I really miss racing, but I just didn't know what I wanted to get back into. And then I just got so lucky riding with the engineers because they were much more into the downhill scene but they loved climbing because they wanted the physical aspect. And at the time, I think it was 2013 um, was when I really started riding more trails in Laguna. And then 2014, Enduro was growing like crazy in the US. And I got these incredible opportunities to go race it. And I really, really enjoyed it. I loved the format. I loved that, you know, it was still very physically challenging, especially EWSs at the time. You know, that was like when they really wanted to kill you out there. So for me, I'm, I'm, I was super stoked that this new form of racing was available because it, it helped me have my passion back essentially, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Especially a lot of times people fall into the trap when they get into that first job after college, that corporate world, it can suck some people in forever and then they never get that passion back again. So I'm yeah, that was, did. you know, and I actually was working to make the dream a reality, I, I wasn't making enough working at Crank Brothers. So in order to like fund my racing, I bartended at night at Tommy Bahamas in downtown Laguna Beach. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> there was some days I would work like Friday, like I'd wake up and I'd go ride in the morning at seven, six thirty, go work all day. And then I'd hustle to Tommy Bahamas and work until like midnight. And, and then I kind of realized like, bartending was way more lucrative than working an industry job. So I, I quit and it was like a really scary moment for me to walk in there and quit a full-time job. But I did it because I knew that if I ever wanted to be like successful, I had to fully put everything in. And I was at the time live, I was still living on my own, like, you know, paying, obviously you pay your own bills, your own rent. Like I, I don't have like, I'm not, I'm not like funded from something else. So I was I'm doing it like if this is either going to work out really well or I'm just going to figure it out if it doesn't and and it did I got super lucky and I was able to to get um eventually on the factory team and then you make some money to support yourself you know yeah that's wonderful that uh factory team as far as I can see on your Instagram when I go back it's all GT was that the first factory team that you were on yeah, that's the only factory team I've ever been on. And as oh, as a cool. pro, actually, it's like the only I've only been on GT to be I've been on them for nine years now. Oh, that is awesome. That is really yeah. cool. And it, and your jerseys always seem to say like uh, GT and Kenda. It seems like Kenda's yeah. been with you since <laughs> the beginning, too. Yeah. Yeah. Roger's always been a good supporter. To, to be honest, almost all my sponsors have always stayed the same. And I think, you know, establishing that loyalty with a brand it says a lot, you know, about who you are as a person and who the brand is. So I've just, I've just always been so lucky to get on with good brands from the beginning. And, and that was kind of the hardest thing about being on the factory team was you don't have that connection with the, cause you have a team manager and the team manager handles all that. And for some people it's incredible because you don't have to do any of the emails, you know, you don't have to arrange how many tires you're getting, the frames, all that stuff. It's all done. Everything is done. But for me, like, I really like that aspect of it. And I think it's because of the background. Like, I can see the value and the connection in it, you know? Oh, yeah. The relationships that you're building, you know, when 
when it's removed by a step, it, it's got to feel weird as a marketing person and a relationship person, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I will say like my time on the factory team is something I'm, I'll never like regret. It was so much fun. I learned so much about myself. Um, but then when the time came and I could decide like what I wanted to do, I just felt, and the team felt, and you know, my boss felt too at GT, like, like it's probably smarter for Rach just to do the frame thing. Cause she likes it. So I ended up switching from the factory team back to um, the wings team, which is more there. I mean, I'm not a free rider, but I guess it's like, I, it's more of free riders, but I'm not, I don't know how you explain it. It's a wings team. So it's just, yeah. Like, like you get the frame and then you can kind of build up the bike the way you want it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like that actually. I think I like being able to do your own thing, you know? Yeah. have your own um you really can create your own image and pick like what gear you want to wear and what helmet you, what your helmet looks like and your own all your own creativity can come out yeah that's gotta be cool like you're the perfect spot you know yeah. especially from a, a marketing type of like thought process as as your degree and, and maybe yeah. what you lean towards you know you're able to create which is great not be told yeah. just what to do yeah, which, you know, like I said, some athletes, like, that's perfect. They truly love that, you know. Yeah. Like, if they can just show up, hand their bike to their mechanic, you know, go ride it, not have to worry about anything, it's it's perfect for a lot of people. And for me, like, I'm not going to say it wasn't great. <laughs> like, it was yeah. awesome. <laughs> but there's, some, there's, um, there's always, like, there's always, I guess, good and bad in every situation. Yeah, that's well said. Well said on that for yeah. sure. Um, before we get further from this part of the story, let's go back to the point where, I mean, it had to have been scary. You're away from home. You're in Orange County. You quit your job in which you just got, you, you have a degree for this job, but you have this dream to pursue your passion and you knew you mm -hmm. had to grind. T talk to us a little bit about that moment from when you let go of the job to when you got into the factory team how scary was that? And how much hard work was that? Well, I think like, I just always knew that if you wanted to su succeed in something, you had to give it a hundred percent. And that was instilled in me at a young age, like with cross country racing, you know, if you do an interval or you do a hill repeat half a, can I, I can't, I probably can't say any bad words on here. Huh? Yeah, sometimes I have, a, I sometimes have a bad mouth. So I'm really trying to be aware of it. Now no, no, be comfortable, be comfortable. <laughs> so anyway if you do something you know half-assed you're, you're just not going to see the outcome that you want to see in life and so I just took that advice and everything and and I have always tried to apply it and I I loved working at Crank Brothers but I just wasn't happy in the position I was doing because I went to school for marketing and I had been in this industry like since I was a little kid but I was doing direct sales and it was so boring and monotonous like entering the sales in every day yeah, and day in day out yeah and I found myself because I wasn't enjoying it like not giving it a hundred percent and that really bothered me about myself so in all in all I guess because of all those factors it kind of made the decision easier okay and and I liked I actually liked bartending like you meet some interesting people yeah. bartending <laughs> after it's a few drinks late at night <laughs> I, saw, I saw some things go down in like in but <laughs> Um, that's another <laughs> podcast. Um, so yeah, so I, I just decided like, 
I'm going to go for it. And, you know, you always, you always pick yourself back up. Like, you know, you find another job if it doesn't work out or, you know, like I wasn't, I guess I wasn't too worried. Cause I just thought like, it's got to work out. Like I have to try. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it did. And I got lucky. And is the path to that being on the factory team, like making sure that you're, you're training for the races, like having to podium these things in order to get the eye of the people to get on the team. How does that work? So for me, I actually got kind of lucky. It was during a time when they were trying to, to really get more female athletes on factory teams. Cause there was this whole conversation going around that there was like the token female and not that many girls on factory teams, if any. So I just happened to come along at, at a right time, you know, I think, but for anybody wanting to get on a factory race team, the most important thing that you could do is like be marketable for the brand, you know, and on top of that, be marketable and have really good results. Because if you can bundle it all together and be like the ultimate athlete, how can they say no to that? You know what I mean? True. True. Good point. Yeah. A lot of times you can have one, but not the other, but if you can put it all together, that's huge. So yeah. I didn't think I was ready to be on the factory team, to be honest. Like, I didn't think I had good enough results. And like, I've always kind of struggled from imposter syndrome, I guess, like where you, you live in the past of where you were and you're not seeing yourself like go forward, I guess. Like, yeah, that's something I struggle with, with my riding. Like I'll look at a jump or a feature that I've seen in Poway, the, the jumps at Ted's, for example, those road gaps. Yes. I've seen those road gaps, you know, for 10 years now and I just lived in the past that I couldn't do them but then you go travel and you go somewhere else and you're like hitting the same size jumps or bigger right and you're like why somewhere else yeah (laughs) yeah why am I not doing this at home well it's because in your mind you're living the past that you were like 10 years ago and that's probably been Kyle's biggest frustration with me as an athlete because he sees the capabilities and he sees like mentally where I am and then you know I think that's that's the difference truly between like, you know, a Ryan Villapoto or an Aaron Gwynn and then a mid-pack racer. It's mental. Like everybody probably has the same skill, but if you can like turn your brain on a hundred percent and be like, I'm doing that and visualize it and really focus, you're a champion. Oh man. I love that. Yes. And then to bookend that whole story, there was footage of you and Kyle at Ted's. He was towing you in and you were <laughs> smoothing those things out like nothing yeah i had so much fun at ted's the other day i think i saw a video on your instagram actually about a guy maybe hitting the peace rock and went yes oh my gosh like yes. i watched that and then i did the peace rock after that and i was like rachel you just saw that video of him doing that and then like that went through my head when i was up there was like, don't put your foot down <laughs> yeah that was my buddy ian uh mr nice bike he he struck his pedal he came up and it was a little after the rain so you know how when you you first get onto peace rock it's kind yeah. of like a weird entrance to get on the rock yeah you're and, almost sideways and you have to like come into it right yes yeah, exactly as he was doing that right-handed kind of bump up turn to get and then turn left to hit the line that yeah. you want right down the crack yeah his i think it was his back tire kind of skidded a little bit and bled off his speed so he tried to get a quick <sighs> ratchet in and when he did Ugh. his front tire had already dipped in his pedal struck and oh that pushed God. him straight to the right was and he okay what happened to him after that he ended up uh he when he went down he ended up breaking three ribs one rib in two places in his wrist oh my yes. God. 
I know. The I ribs know. are the worst. Like, I mean, they that none of it's good, but like the breathing aspect, you know, with the ribs. Yeah. Yes. I have I haven't broken one, you know, knock on well, something, but I've display <laughs> I've displaced a couple before and oh. I just I just remember being like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right before Christmas, I cracked a couple at Greer and then I caught a cold <laughs> afterwards from my kiddos. Oh, and I was just oh, like oh. coughing and sneezing like every time it felt like awful. <laughs> it felt awful. Um, that was the worst pain after Kyle broke his back was sneezing. I remember like that yeah. really took him down on <laughs> sneezing. Yeah. Isn't it incredible how strong our bodies are? And then like when they're injured, how much we use them for things. Yeah. It's yeah. You don't realize breathing. it. How lucky we are. Yes. Uh, Joey's oh. just popping this up here. Oh my gosh. Trail monster with a hundred dollar donation to the podcast. Oh my gosh. Mark 100 for your 100th. Make it rain. Yo, <laughs> Rachel he <laughs> says, sup. <laughs> he goes, <Hi>. just kidding. <laughs> Fun fact. He says, Gary Turner started it in 1972, developed the 4130 chromoly, chromoly frame from his chromoly, chromoly frame from his pro drag racing background, making it a lighter, tough frame for bikes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Neil. I just saw Gary Turner like the month ago at the GT recently moved back from the East coast and now they're in Elisa Viejo. So oh. coming back to their roots, they, they started in Costa Mesa and then they, you know, got sold a couple times and ended up on the East coast, but now they're back. So I got to see the great Gary Turner the other day. <laughs> oh, that is cool. He's got to be so proud of everything that you've done for GT as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he is funny. <laughs> he's a funny guy. <laughs> yeah. So when, now when you are moving over to Enduro, was it, was there anything that was weird for you to change? Like, with GT and say, Hey, I'm going from XC to Enduro or were they like, Rachel do whatever you, you need. So I was actually on giant when I was racing GT. Oh. And yeah. And so then when I, I decided in college, my junior year that I was just going to take a break and kind of be a normal college student. And then I instantly gained five pounds because I was drinking too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's the college way. <laughs> yeah. So I took a break my junior year. And then my senior year, I got really into road riding, actually, which was really fun. It's something different. I was doing a bunch of crit races. And another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And then on Valentine's Day, I was riding my bike and a drunk driver hit me Are from behind. Oh, dude, and yeah, it, it was horrible. Like I I um, was lucky enough that there was some pedestrians walking next to where the accident happened. So they were able to get me off the road and the ambulance came. Um, and then I was also very lucky in the situation because it was a hit and run. It was a felony hit, hit and run and, and a felony DUI. And the car that this drunk driver was trying to pass, that was why he hit me, chased after him, got his license plate number and came back to the scene of the crime. Whoa. Yeah. So lucky. I got really like, but it, I felt, I don't feel bad for the guy because he learned his lesson, but he, I ended up having to testify in court and he got five years because that was his third DUI. Oh yeah. man. 
Sounded like yeah. he definitely needed a lesson. Yikes, though. Yeah. Yikes. So that messed me up. It um, when the hit from was from behind. So you know, I, I ruptured my L4, L5, and L5S1. Jeez. And yeah, it was so awkward in college. I'd be like it, it, the student in the back of the class that couldn't sit for longer than like 15 minutes because my sciatic nerve was so pinched. So I would be like standing up like every 15 minutes during lecture. <laughs> They're like, where's she but, going? She's leaving. No, she's just I standing. <laughs> I know. So I couldn't like physically in the position of riding, I couldn't do it for six months. So I did a lot of pool therapy and um, I avoided surgery, which I was really lucky about because I was 21. Right. You know, I didn't really want to get cut open at that age. But yeah, that kind of set me back a little bit. So at, through that time, those two years, I didn't have any like frame sponsorship. So it wasn't until, yeah, 2014 when I got with GT. So Okay. In a way, yeah. it was almost like a blank slate kind of you were yeah. able to come back. Yeah. And I, I, I needed it. Like I just needed the break. And I'm glad I did because... I've seen a lot of my friends who are in the middle of their careers and they have these sponsorship obligations and that's their main income. And they're just, they're burnt out. Like they don't want to do it. And it's a hard feeling. Like, like I felt when I was at, you know, crank brothers, when I just wasn't satisfied with where I was going, like it's hard to feel that in your life, you know? Yeah. Especially when something from passion turns into like stress and dread. Yeah. Like feel like it's work you know that yeah it, it is hard. yeah yeah and I actually was really lucky because when when I got with when I was offered the frame deal from GT Kyle was also on GT at the time so oh, we yeah. were on GT together um, for a year and then he didn't get renewed and I did Oh, no. <laughs> that, that was like a big joke that I was I was messing with him I'm like oh I stole your sponsorship dude like, <laughs> but was, then that opened his opportunity for commensal which was really great because they were coming to the U.S. and that relationship went on for a long time and now you know he's with um Vetus so yeah yeah now oh, that worked out good now were you guys was that when he was, when you both were on GT, was that before or after the, the sub Facebook? And that, no, it was when we were dating. That's how I met the GT guys. Um, oh. I met his boss, Chris Hopwood at the time. And he was just like, he's like, oh, you're racing that intense. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love this bike. Uh, I think it was a tracer. I was like, this bike is so rad. He's like, oh, like, would you ever consider being on GT? I was like, I don't know. Like, sure. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I would totally consider it, you know? And then I ended up, he sent me a frame and I really liked it, built it up. And then the next year I got like, you know, it just kind of builds from there. So then you get a little bit of offer and then you take that and you make it work and then you get a little more and then you take that and make it work. And then, you know, before you know it, you're like, oh, I'm really making a living out of this, you know? So yeah. I think my advice to, to people like looking for sponsorships is just know your worth, know your value. Cause that's the hardest thing, you know? That's a great point. I, and I like what you said there, like get your foot in the door and then prove your worth, like show yeah. them what you're worth. Yeah. You yeah. And know like that this is a hard one. And I, like, I'm sure some, some people might disagree with it, but I've seen, I've, I, and I didn't agree with this at first cause I didn't, I didn't understand it. So when I first started dating Kyle, I was so excited to do things for product you know, I would do things basically for like a helmet. And Kyle's like, why are you doing that? You know, like, you're worth more than that, you know, ask for 
this amount or ask for financial compensation. I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'll just do it for this sick helmet. And then now that I've been doing it for, you know, nine years, I'm like, I see it, you know, cause it, when you do things for product at a pro level, that makes the market there. And it, that's what everybody else is expected to do because that's where the market is set. It's kind of like in, if you think about major league baseball or something like that, there's, a set amount that these teams and players receive. And that's because the previous players did a lot of work to get there. And that's not saying, I don't think that you're greedy. It's just helping there be a standardized amount for everybody to receive. Right. And if an industry is kind of expected to pay that, then there won't be any awkwardness of asking for it. It's just kind of like, Oh, well, this is the day rate. Kind of like when you do jobs for Hollywood, you know, SAG, they have set rates and stuff. And, I think in a way it's a good thing. I think it's, yeah. I think it's good. You know, that is a good thing. It's funny. Cause Joey and I were driving back from Sedona and we were talking about that. Like at what point do you, and, and where do you like kind of exercise more of your value and worth to go away from just getting free product to yeah, enter into that other side. And you don't, it's hard because I never wanted to sound like, greedy or that I felt that yeah I deserve that because you know I'm Rachel Strait no I never that sounds horrible I would never want that it was more the more I think about it it's setting up for the next generation and the next amount of pros coming up because when you set an industry standard it's it kind of becomes known and I think that that's a good thing you know now like figuring out your worth that's really hard (laughs) that's really hard to do yeah it's, it's hard. And, and all you could do is ask, right? Like say, Hey, like if I'm filming this, I think my day rate should be $250 or, you know, $300. And sometimes they'll be like, yeah, you are, that's what you're worth. Or you're worth 500 bucks, you know? So yeah. it never hurts to ask. That's a good point. And then take the poker face and then like get back to like your friends and go, my gosh, they're doing it. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, it, and I've been, I've, I've been told, you know, this is what we see it as. And, you know, then that's great. You have a good negotiation. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Opening the nothing yeah. wrong, right? That's right. That's a good, good way to say it too. Like from the marketing background, just got to put it out there and see what yeah. happens. That's the scariest yeah. part. Yeah, it is the scariest <laughs> part. The sponsorship stuff is, it's, it's super scary. Like every year, you know, you go into the negotiation aspect of it. And I mean, I've been, I've, I've been lucky on my side, like I've had really supportive sponsors, but I've seen it with Kyle where he's like just over it. And that's when I step in, I'll be like, I'll do it. I'm your agent, babe. Like I got this, you know, and we just figure out a good solution. So that's that's good. As a photographer, you said a set rate. That's awesome. See? Yeah. Active Life 2.0 is is, uh, backing up the point. He says, as a photographer, I have a set rate. If you don't know value, if you don't value my work, that much I'm not your photographer yeah yeah that's a yeah. good point yeah On to the yeah next I one. love that and I think when you do set that amount you kind of stick with the sponsors that are truly all about you and then there's more value created and expectations that are clear so you know like hey I'm receiving this and this is what they want so I'm going to work my ass off to get what they like give them what they want and then everybody's happy you know yeah that's that's really good man 
you got me thinking about this whole podcast thing. I need to, uh, with supporters, like, at what point will I ever, I mean, I don't know. I just have to put it out there at some point. Uh, Boston uh, Don. Hit me up. I'll be, I'll be your agent. I'm just kidding. Yes, Rachel Sprates, the agent of the segment podcast. <laughs> Joey, we have somebody to help us. <laughs> Boston Don MTB is saying, that is why the World Cup Downhill Riders have started their Writers Association to make sure they have a say and to try to make it more profitable. Perfect. Yeah, I think. I love, I think that's incredible. I love that, that they're doing that. They need to do that. If you're on a trade team, like within the world cup, I think that you should have a set salary. Like everybody should get a set amount. If you're going to be on one of the teams that are registered with the UCI, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, kind of like a, a union, so to speak, that uh, kind of helps support them. Yeah. The, a new standard of relationship. The, um, I mean, after rampage, I saw that go down with the free riders. And they really had to stick together because they were really unhappy with how Rampage was going and they got, you know, what they wanted, which was awesome. So, yeah, I mean, that was like, everyone had to get onto ESPN to get that. And then like, you know, they try to, you get pushed up to the ESPN, the, the subscription. <laughs> and so it was like, man, there's, I, I hope the writers were getting some of this stuff because. Well, we were, we were in the hospital, you know, during Rampage. And I was like, I do not have a login to watch Rampage. So luckily, Red, we had a Red Bull liaison. Like after Kyle's crash, Red Bull was incredible. They immediately had a liaison come to the hospital. He was there if we wanted any food, if we needed lodging, everything. Like he was really, really awesome. But I hit him up. I said, hey, do you happen to have a login for ESPN? He said, yeah, I got you. <laughs> Spoken like a true mountain biker. <laughs> I can't. Right, right. It's going on right now. I need to get logged in. <laughs> I know. Because we don't, we have um, like Hulu and Netflix. We don't have ESPN anymore. Yeah. So. Was, it, was it hard for you? Speaking of, and I know maybe, you know, Kyle will be on the show. We'll tell his story, but from your perspective as a wife and, and a mother to see Kyle go down and practice that day, was it, was it difficult or how, I mean, obviously it was difficult, but how did that feel? Well, I've, <laughs> this, this is hard to say, but I've like, you think about the worst. It just happens. You think about the worst. When you think about rampage, your mind naturally goes there and you try and stop it and you tell yourself no, but it does. So you, I've played the scenario in my head before. So when it actually was happening in, in real life, I was oddly calm. That's because of two factors. One, when I first saw him face down, because I was actually at the bottom of the drop, I didn't think he was breathing at first. And so I really Whew. like went into a panic. And so like, if you watch his last YouTube video, you can hear my voice scream medic. And I was fully frantic. But then once I got to him and I saw that he was breathing, he just had, like hadn't caught his breath yet because he broke his back and knocked all the air out of himself. I just went into like calm Kyle down, be there for him mode. And Stevie was actually on my back in the backpack. Uh -huh. So she was right there. Um, but yeah, once, once I knew that he could feel his toes, he could feel his hands, you know, all that. And he was breathing. I was actually oddly really calm. So I think, think it wasn't until I was driving to the hospital because he was life flighted and then I drove the Bronco out. That's when it kind of hit me. And I was like, Oh my God, like he probably broke his back, you know? Man, so yeah, I, I couldn't imagine like the, the amount of emotions that must've gone through that Rachel to probably go from the worst case scenario feeling to then all of a sudden seeing breathing that 
pulls you back off the worst case scenario. Like, all right, he's alive. He's breathing. Yes, exactly. And then, and then moving from there, man, yeah. this, this but, sport. I know. And I know that it's, I know that it's, it's a possibility. I know that like, I knew what I was signing up for, but it's funny. Cause I was on, I was actually, I did a podcast recently with another person and they asked me, um, like, how do you allow Kyle to keep doing rampage? And, I, and my answer is, you know, I knew from the first year that I started dating him, that he was going to do it. So how can you tell somebody that they can't do something that they love, you know? Yeah, can't. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. No, that's, you're very supportive, you know, with uh, his decisions. And I mean, you guys are kicking butt the straight, straight <laughs> acres, like everything that you guys are doing is amazing. It's been fun. The straight acres thing has been really fun. And, you know, our, our passion with dual slalom has also been really fun to see grow. And, you know, you see more dual slalom races popping up these days. And I really hope next year we can make a series happen. That is 100% the goal for next year to have like a four stop straight acres series. So I know we wanted to do it this year, but the accident kind of pushed everything back because I was just so focused on taking care of him, you know, but next year. Yeah. And he looks like he's coming back strong. You guys as a family is uh, so tight. It's, it's so cool (laughs) to see. I I love it. Um, Yeah. When we talk about, uh, there's a couple of things you had, you had mentioned, you got in the Bronco and uh, raced over to the hospital. I think, think you might be one of the only mountain bike athletes that I know of that has a car sponsor. Holy well, cow, Rachel. <laughs> well, Tyler <laughs> McCall also has it, which he's, we're in the same program. Um, and it's been really, it's been really fun. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Ford Bronco. Holy cow. Yeah. Honestly, the Bronco is a really, really cool vehicle. It, um, look, and, it looks cool. And I'm not just saying that I truly, you know, if I had to go pick a vehicle now after having it, I would totally, I would totally buy it. You know, the only thing is the MPGs are a little bad, but I've never gotten more compliments on a car. Like I've always driven <laughs> very practical cars. Like I had a RAV4, I had a Saturn View. Like I've had just very practical cars that aren't at big price points. So then when I got this bad boy and the guy at the, um, I went to drop some stuff, stuff off at Goodwill and the guy was freaking out over it. I was like, wow, I feel kind of cool today. <laughs> this has never from... happened to me with step my car. Up. <laughs> step up from the Saturn view. That's for sure. Yeah. Look, no, seriously. Look, look yeah. at that thing. I know. Thing... I named her Marigold. After Marigold? The yeah. yeah. Marigold looking pretty bomb diggity. How, yeah, now, how did that come about? Is that something that you sought after and said, hey, I'm going to go and see if Ford is interested or no, I was about? actually approached um, through Instagram. So everybody check your DMs once in a while. <laughs> you <laughs> never know what will pop up in there. So yeah, I got I got really lucky. And I remember when I had the first meeting, I hadn't announced that I was pregnant yet. And I was really nervous that it was going to potentially like, you know, ruin the deal or my um, possibility of getting it. And they were just so supportive of the family matter and, you know, the pregnancy and everything. So it ended up working out. You know, I learned so much from that pregnancy. Actually, I learned a lot about fear and uh, overcoming expectations that you have. And, you know, yeah, it was, Did, it was actually really good. 
Oh, it sounds like it taught you a lot of, of good lessons. You know, um, as an athlete, it's got to be hard when you know you're going to be sidelined for a little bit with a pregnancy and yeah, you know, maybe, who, yeah, who knows what these people are thinking, you know, is she going to come back? Is she going to be full-time mom? But for yeah. you, obviously we see Stevie out there with the helmet on. It's your helmet, you know, <laughs> she's just in it, in the dirt, kind of like how you grew up out yeah. there playing in the dirt. And that like goes to the same thing with like the sponsorship and loyalty and, and building that relationship because had I maybe been on just a factory team, they don't know me. They don't know what I'm about. Um, your work, my work ethic, you know, my plans, the, the direct conversations back and forth. So because I had that relationship with my sponsors, I like personally called every single one of them and let them know before I announced like, Hey, I'm pregnant. This is my goal. These are what I'm going to do post-pregnancy, you know, and, it just was really seamless. Everything just really worked out for me. And, and I hope that through that, it can inspire more women to want to start families and not wait till after their career is over. Cause I always felt like I had to wait until my cycling career was done to do it. And then 2020 hit and everything was canceled. And I just remember looking at Kyle after New Zealand and I was like, man, is this, are we going to do it? Like, is this a year? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, that's got to be something huge for a lot of women athletes to hear you say that um, it it can work out by doing that. And then speaking of if there are going to be more women athletes that are having kiddos around and yet the schedules are busy, you know, or you're at the races. What about um, you were thinking about an idea possibly? (laughs) I don't we don't know how yet, but yeah, um, daycare at the races or something. Yeah, it would be insane. It would be insane if it could work out. Um, Allison Felix, who's one of my like, I look up to her so much. She's a track athlete, actually. She just started a program with the um, uh, Olympic Track Federation, where there's women that want to qualify for Olympics, and they have these qualifier nationals. They can come and they provide a childcare service for kids, for the babies, wow. like wow. when they're running. And it would be really cool if you could go to like a big mountain enduro or um, national champs, if USA cycling could do something where there would be something like that, you know, you could go do your practice runs and like, I don't know how it would work out to have to be a lot, a lot of thinking, you know, and certifications and making sure you pick the right people. But if something could like that come around, I think it would inspire even more moms to go out there, you know? Totally. Yeah. And maybe less moms starting their families so much later in their life because they had yeah. to sacrifice, you know, for their career. It's a huge sacrifice, like your body. (laughs) (laughs) It's not yours for nine, 10 months, you know, and then after. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would be really cool and inspiring to see. And then nothing like mama bear out there, you know, trying to bring home the bacon for, for the kiddos. That's a level of intensity is going to go up. It's cool for moms too. I think so many moms get fully lost in motherhood and they, you see people really like, some moms struggle with who they are anymore, you know, cause they lose sight of that. And I think it's important to always remember who you are as a person and as a mom. Right. Well said. So, yeah. Well said. Yeah. And then that's kind of, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, that's what inspired that whole don't define me video that I did with uh, deity last year with Heather young. I just feel like once you become a mom, like that's your only definition is mom. You know, but you're so much more than just one thing. Of course, being a mom is your number one priority and you want to fulfill that more than any other role that you play. But 
you're not, you know, you're not just the mom. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to get lost in that role. You know, there's, like you said, there's so much more to that person than just mom. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. And and I love just to give people a little bit of context. When we were setting up for this podcast, you and I were texting and we had a three-way text going on with Heather Mive. And <laughs> yeah. You were like, I was texting you girls. I'm like, I'm just trying to sneak. I just got my little one down. I'm laying in his bed right now. I'm trying to sneak out of the room. And you, you were like, I'm doing the same thing right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's a good balance, huh? It's a good balance. And we were both like, Heather, this is what you have to look forward to. <laughs> Just yeah. to give. So yeah, she, actually, she, I was reading one of Boston Don's comments down there about yes. uh, Rachel Atherton. And yeah, I do. I do talk to Rachel sometimes. And I will say like the big difference between me and Rachel Atherton is Rachel only wants to win. Like that's her only priority racing. You know, she would do anything to win. And that's what I talked about earlier, the whole mental side of it. So for me, I truly love racing, but I think she's so much more intense than I could ever be. Like I would love to be as intense as Rachel. Like she's such a cool individual and such an amazing racer. But I think that's where she kind of struggles is she doesn't want to go out there and do a world cup if she doesn't think she can be number one, a hundred percent, you know? Wow. So Dang. I think I would love to see her go out there and kick butt this year though. Hell, I think she could totally win. She's insane. She's such a talented rider and yeah. racer. Yeah. Shout out to Rachel Atherton, uh, Boston Don MTB asked the question to Rachel straight just now. I'm interested to see if Rachel Atherton hits some racers this year races this year. Do you talk to her about being moms? Yeah, that's where yeah. she was able to do that. Also, uh, we got a super chat came in from Air Blair in Laguna Beach. Uh, thank you so much for the $9.99 donation to the show. Really appreciate it, Blair. Um, Rachel, I had a question for you up here. Coming out of New Zealand, I got to scroll up to it real quick, but I wanted to get this one out. I, all I saw was ask Rachel if. Here we go. This is from Marty. He says, ask Rachel how to plan for an enduro in an area you haven't ridden before. Ooh, that's a hard one. (laughs) So there's two different ways you can go about this. And some people frown upon one way, which some people go early to the venue and and check it out. Um, I can see both sides of it because you want to be the most prepared, right? You want to know what you're getting into. But the whole idea behind enduro was to be the best rider in any terrain, right? So that you could go out there and do, I don't know if you guys are familiar with how the EWS format works these days, but you get, it's actually really intense. You get one, one lap on each track, one, and that's it. And then you have to go out the next day and race it as hard as you can. Right. And on top of that, they have a queen stage now where you get one lap on it the moment before you race it so you get the last lap is the first one you race so then all the ones you did the day before you're like do i even remember what is on this track so that's where go go gopros really come into effect so if you can't get out there you work full time and you're like i can't go out there the week before and ride all these trails put a gopro on put some type of pov camera on and just study it at night that's what i used to do Nice. Great tip yeah. there. Yeah. I think Marty's asking because he has some kiddos that are racing. So you had just passed yeah. some of that knowledge to the next generation, which was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, for that the, the, the POV stuff really, really helps. And um, this is another piece of advice that I took from a pro is try not to stop 
when let's say you go to Durango, here's an example, you go to Durango and you're doing the BME out there in Durango and there's a lot of tracks that you have to get to, right? Try your hardest to go all the way through without stopping. You might make a mistake, you know, you might have to check out a section, but if you can get the flow down the first time you ride it, most likely that'll translate to when you race it next if you can't get a bunch of laps on it. Nice. I love that. I love that. Man, <laughs> Rachel, I can't believe we are already at 50. We're at like an hour has just burned by. And there's so many more questions that there's so much. This is Rachel straight. This is crazy. Seth was here saying amazing tip. Thank you for that. Amazing, amazing tip. Thanks, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, um, being a, a racer, being a mom, being a wife, being a business lady, talk about balance and closing and um how do you you know how do you i need i need actually help with this (laughs) (laughs) i was like i if you're gonna talk about balance i actually need some advice for this one (laughs) (laughs) don't we all it's too crazy sometimes it is crazy what do you do honestly lately since stevie's gotten into the toddler age you know where it's pretty full on Lately, I've been really taking advantage of naps, but I also, I, I, I try to communicate my needs to my partner and that really helps balance for me. If I feel overwhelmed and, you know, something isn't working out that day, I'll just be like, Hey, Kyle, can you help me with this or something like that? So like a typical day is like, I wake up, I try and get my workout in early. Cause a lot of times if you don't, you don't get to it and just making a schedule that really works for you. So I guess balance is hard. Some days really don't feel balanced. Some days feel really hectic and chaotic, but then other days feel very chill. So knowing that not every day is going to be hectic helps your mindset, you know, I think. Yeah. No, that's great. Like instead of being so caught on that day, just knowing that it will all kind of like somewhat balance out as the days go by. Yeah. And being organized. Like, I don't know, like you're so, are you self-employed or is like when you're mm-hmm. self-employed, your taxes, for example, are absolutely insane. And I just, we just did the taxes. So just being little things like that, that can help you in your life organization, um, planning ahead so that you're not procrastinating. That's very hard for, you know, college Rachel did that all the time. But now that I'm older, I can't do that. So just yeah. planning <laughs> ahead, <laughs> yeah, like that, you know, but the balance part is hard. You, everybody wants to do everything these days because life is so awesome and fun like you want to fit it all in you know so right yeah, yeah they they have even have like acronyms for that FOMO like fear of missing <laughs> out you know there's just so yeah. many things <laughs> yeah when you have a kid I think you miss out on a lot of those things but then you know you're fulfilling it in other ways by doing yeah. bath time <laughs> yes exactly crawling out of their bed when they're asleep trying not to wake them up it's yeah. like that. it's oh, yeah. like a game <laughs> but I think yeah I just try and I just try and not let things really get to me. That's in my balance, you know, just take things as they are. But I've always been like that. <laughs> that's awesome, Rachel. That That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's working. Whatever it is that you're doing is working. Obviously, you work your tail off and you're doing a great job at it. And congratulations on all your success, you <laughs> and Kyle and Thank the you. whole family and Stevie. Um, Thank you. I guess, in, I guess in closing for Let's think, let's look back to that seven-year-old Rachel who was just getting on a bike. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk to the, the young 
writers out there that are up and coming from your standpoint now at like a 20,000 degree kind of look back, what would you (laughs) say to them to kind of encourage them to keep going? Honestly, keep it fun. Just have fun with it. If you're having fun, you're going to be successful. So just keep it fun and know that every hard workout and all the effort that you put into it will eventually show. So yeah, I think that's the biggest one. And I had some advice later in life, which as a pro, you know, once you get to that aspect is somebody once told me that your, your worst day could be somebody's only impression of you. So always make your worst day, your best day to somebody you've never met. So even if you had like a horrible race and you're pissed off and a fan comes up to you, just smile because I might only remember that you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So if you, (laughs) I have to tell it to Kyle sometimes, but he's so good with it. Like with the kids, you know, like he'll be so mad after sea otter and the little kids will come up and he's just, he's really good at it now. Like really good at it. Yeah. Uh, Man, that's cool, Rachel. Good, good tips for the future and for the folks that are kind of in it now, which is amazing. Keep doing everything that you're doing. I I love seeing it. I'm I'm really, when I see you guys on Instagram, it makes me smile. Um, Where where can people follow you guys um, on on social media? So you guys can follow myself, Rachel Straight One, Kyle Straight, or Straight Acres. So either one of those. Awesome. Awesome. Rachel, I can't believe it. This has been episode 100 of the segment podcast. (laughs) You are the 100th guest. Thank you all so much in the chat for tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, the talented Rachel Strain. (laughs) See you guys all soon. Bye. Bye. You.